So that that was a, a big move for me is just getting into the right rooms. If you don't have a seat at the table, create one, buy one, mm-hmm. have a seat at the table. And, and that's that's the, the biggest, I think, needle mover that, that I've, I've implemented that's that's changed my outlook, that's, you know, helped with like limiting beliefs that we yeah. all we all have, right? Like, oh, that's crazy. Why mm-hmm. would I start a mastermind? I'm still I'm still working. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Why? Why not? Welcome to the Mind Your Own Business Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Sterick. This show is where we talk about all kinds of different stuff in business, but mainly we talk about how to mind your own business and stay in your own lane. And we interview only distinguished guests in order to find out their secrets. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mind Your Own Business podcast. Today, we've got Silvio Dobrovat. And I didn't tell you, Silvio, but we only allow distinguished guests on the show. So I really appreciate you coming on. So today, we're going to talk about a number of different things. Silvio is an accomplished entrepreneur. He's been in business for himself for, well, since dinosaurs roamed the earth, I guess. And today, he's going to share with us a bunch of stuff. One of those things is going to be his deep secrets on how he is able to accelerate his exponential growth. And we're going to talk about that one later. So stay tuned for that. Silvio, welcome to the show, brother. Let's talk a little bit about you, who you are, and what you do at this point. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, in a nutshell, our core business is uh, residential construction. And we've recently pivoted from custom builds to focusing on ADUs. It's solving a problem. Uh, It's uh, solving multiple problems, actually. And as a result of that, planning departments across the country, particularly in California, have loosened up restrictions. So you can now build, there's a streamlined process for building and for planning. By law, they're supposed to approve them within 60 days. It doesn't always happen that way, but by law, they're supposed to. Hmm. And recently, a bill just passed that goes into effect January 2024, where you can actually sell your ADU, wow. which is create a microclimate. Wow. So talk to me about ADUs. For anybody who doesn't know what an ADU is, let's talk about that. ADU stands for Accessory Dwelling Unit, and it's also colloquially known as an in-law suite or a granny flat. It's a small home in, in your backyard, side yard, front yard, and the cap on size is usually about 1,200 square feet. So that could be a two-bedroom, two-bath. And in addition to that, you can also add a JADU, which is a junior accessory dwelling unit that is attached to the house. The ADUs can be, the ADUs are detached or garage conversions. The JADUs are within the home. But you can create two revenue revenue generating, you know, parcels or, or properties within your own property and with rents being what they are, it's just, it's a no brainer. You could pay down your mortgage. You could do a lot of different things. Yeah, that's huge. Can you vacation rental those too? You can, it's it's municipality based. Where I live, they have a cap on it. So it's 30 days at a time. Okay. And that's the loophole. But I know a lot of other areas you can do short-term rental. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Cool. So, all right, so let's go, let's go back. So that's kind of what you're doing now. I know that you've got other stuff going on that we'll talk about here in a little bit, but let's talk about your your background, I guess, your upbringing. You know, you and I both share a similar story from uh, Eastern Europe and communist Eastern Europe at that. So why don't you take us back to like literally how you got here? Yeah, man. So just talking about uh, about this this morning, our, our premise was, what are you thankful for? Hmm. And I think we've all had somebody at some point in our lives sacrifice, make a sacrifice for us to be able to do what we're doing. Or if there's no sacrifice, at least pointed us in the right direction. And that's what I'm thankful for. And that person for me was my dad, who left communist Romania in 1988. Me and my sister were seven and four at the time. So he left my mother with two young children and and left to go create this new life, not really knowing if we're ever going to be able to reconnect. It was a total roll of the dice. Because at that time... Communist Romania was so sheltered, you know, probably akin to what North Korea is. Like information was controlled, access to the outside world was controlled. So all they really knew about the outside world was what they saw through movies and media. Wow. Which there wasn't a lot of media. There's like three TV stations and they're all state run. So Mm -hmm. it was all exactly what they wanted to spoon feed you. Mm -hmm. Propaganda, 
right? Yeah. So my dad left in 88. He landed in LA. He had a relative in LA and then came up to the San Francisco Bay Area where there's a small Romanian community and kind of established himself here. And by established, I mean, he went from a really dignified uh, architect in Romania. My mother was an architect as well to coming here and digging trenches wow. uh, for $7 an hour, like crawling under houses and doing construction. Yeah. So within that time at $7 an hour, he was able to save, you know, 25 grand in, in two years and got a little condo, got established. And then my sister and I, and my mom came over in 1990, right after the communist revolution, there were still, we were the first plane to leave Romania. So there's still tanks on the tarmac. There's still soldiers, you know, the, the airports riddled with bullet holes. It was a wild, wild time. Do you remember much about that, about leaving? I do. I do. It was, it was very emotional. Leading up to us leaving, I, I got to preface this by saying that people knew that we were leaving and my dad was seen as an enemy of the state. So we had additional scrutiny on our family from the secret police and different, you know, authorities and we were just kind of under a microscope. And I remember being in second grade and graduating to third, you change your tie. You go from one of these like little funny ties to like a handkerchief. Okay. And we did a ceremony somewhere in the woods and it was very like communisty, right? Like the principal and all the dignitaries from the school and then like mayors and governors would show up and these kids line up in a line, you get off a bus and then the, the teacher and the principal, they walk and they change your tie for you. Okay. They get to me and she told me this beforehand. She said, I can't change yours because your dad left and you guys are leaving. I can't change it. People are watching you. So I had this crumpled up handkerchief. And as she got to me, I'm like fumbling, changing my own thing. And she kind of oh skips my. over me. Oh my God. And, you know, part of that ceremony, we do a, a you know, every, every school room had a picture of Ceausescu, the dictator. Mm. And do a daily like pledge of allegiance facing him and i chose not to uh oh so i got escorted by military personnel to my house they knocked on our door they're like is this your son my mom's like freaking out she's like yeah he's like well he's not taking kindly to you know following rules and respecting Ceausescu and all this stuff and my mom's freaking out like we're like a month out from leaving she's like she's like okay i'm so sorry i apologize whatever the guy, the, the soldiers leave and she just was livid. She's like, are you, do you know what you just did? Like, we might not be able to see your dad. I was like, oh man, what no. do I do? And then, you know, they called her into the, to the station that night, but she insisted on having me with her, which they didn't take kindly to her, but who knows what they would have done. I mean, it was just dark times. So by the grace of God, we, we made it here in 1990. And you know, the rest is history. My, my parents went through like a really tough time to create an opportunity for us. And, you know, it's, it's on their shoulders, on their sacrifice that I'm able to do what I can do. Wow. So you've never changed about not wanting to follow the rules, have you? No, not really. You, <laughs> you got you to be a little bit of a rule breaker to, to get anywhere in life. Yeah, man, the handkerchief story, man, that, that gets me. Because I, I can picture you, you know, with this class in the woods and these military personnel around. And then, of course, like, if the teacher had changed your handkerchief, then she would have been a defector. Correct. Like, I was tainted. Like, yeah. And I was just a kid. Like, it's yeah. crazy to, to put that kind of pressure on a kid. But I, I wasn't phased by it. I'm sure everybody else around me was phased by it. It was a crazy yeah. time. So I do remember that vividly. And prior to that, like a short period before that, the president and his wife were executed by firing squad on live TV. My God. And the minute that happened everywhere outside, you could hear people in uproar, just like celebrating. And I remember vividly my uncle coming through the door, carrying my mom in his arms and like, he's gone. He's dead. We're free. It was just like euphoric. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. So, That's, uh, you know, a lot of people, okay, hold on. Let me back up. We live in an amazing country. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of people don't realize how amazing this country is. A hundred percent. And I take issue with that because the people that are the loudest, you know, that saying the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. Yeah. 
people that were born into like excess and if they would actually leave the country and understand what the other side is like they would understand the opportunity that we have here like you could literally be anything you want anyone you want mm-hmm. there's very few places on earth like that yeah and the u.s is still the number one country to immigrate to why mm-hmm. is that because the freedoms we enjoy and the opportunity mm-hmm. yeah so if your father never made that choice to mm-hmm. leave the country right what would your life look like right and we, of course that's a rhetorical question but at the same time you know i can kind of tie it to us being parents right you know we're we're both really trying to be self-aware about our parenting skills and you and i are at both are different stages in our parenting life right your your kids are 16 and 17 graduating high school pretty soon and that's a crazy feeling i'm sure it is crazy you know i wouldn't i wouldn't change it for the world starting young but I see the value in kind of being established and, and having a career under your belt and then having kids. I, I, I see both sides of it, but I wouldn't change anything. So it's kind of cool to still be young and, and, and be able to like communicate with your kids on a frequency they understand rather than my dad's an old fart. He's totally out of touch. Yeah. Like my, my parents were out of touch just because of the world that they came from. So they couldn't understand me growing up. Like they were still stuck in the, their old ways and, you know, very frugal because of, of, of circumstances and mm-hmm. what they knew life was like. So I, I always had that disconnect with my parents. Mm-hmm. I was always crazy and trying to do more with less and all this crazy stuff. My kids haven't had that. Like dad's the cool guy. Like we get to hang out and, you know, I'm always pushing them for more because I still want more. And it's kind of cool to to see them like become young adults and for us to kind of understand each other. Yeah. You were talking about how in this country we can do anything and be anything. And I think that you exemplify this in a, in a really great way because you came here with literally nothing, right? As a child and you saw the, the struggles and you have these traumatic experiences burned into your brain from communist Romania. And what I've, I'm going to tie it into parenting. What I think that we, what it's very important that we do for our kids is show them that, show them, not tell them, right? Of course, like, hey, you can be president if you want to. Well, dad, why aren't you? Hey, you could be this. You could be the next top movie star, or the next pro golfer or whatever. Pick whatever, you know, insert that. But I think that, you know, as you and I grow older and, and of course, grow together, that we are able to show our kids that it is possible. Okay. And so when we tell them, hey, you can do this. Check it out. I'm doing it now. I might not be perfect at it. I might have tried something and failed, but I still tried. Right. And right. trying and failing is not not failing. It's not losing. It's a lesson. It's a I call them seminars in life. Every time like I do something in business and it doesn't work or whatever, it's a seminar, right? Oh, well, I had, I lost, you know, $10,000 last week on this one decision I made. It's better than paying for a college education, in my opinion, right? Now, I'm not saying they call it, and I, I just opened up a whole can of worms. I'm sure I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail for that one. But what I mean is, you know, those lessons stick with you a lot longer. And so you can exemplify that stuff um, with your kids. Yeah, so I, I, go ahead. I beat it to their head, you know, the only failure is not trying because yeah. if you tried and you failed. That's not really a failure. You, you just learned a new way not to do something. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, man. Yeah. And we're all trying to, we're all trying to help each other out. Right. And so we're trying to help our kids be better people to create a better world and a life for their kids. If they choose to have kids, you know, and so goes the cycle, right? This is endless. Well, unless AI eventually takes over and wipes us out, but that's a totally different story. So talking about helping people, let's talk about what you're doing right now. I know you've been working on kind of a side project. I know it's a passion project and you're what you're really doing at the core of all of it is trying to help others not stay in the grind of what they've been doing for years. Yeah. So my buddy Charlie and I, we came together and it's a, it's a shared idea around helping people, blue collar business owners, actually become a business owner rather than a dancing bear business where you're, you're, you're everything to everybody. And that's really draining. That definitely has no future. You can't scale. You can't grow because you're limited by your two hands. If you're out in the field swinging 
Mm-hmm. There's no time for marketing, no time for books, no time for anything, no time for building relationships. So we really want to help people that are in that phase of their business to, to learn how to remove themselves from that day-to-day grind via systems, via a, a variety of, of different things that you can implement into your life. You know, a lot of, a lot of it starts with your mindset. Mm. So if you think that this is all I can do, this is all I'm ever going to do, that's all you're ever going to do. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a shift in your, in your perspective and you have to want to grow. Mm-hmm. You're either growing or dying. So if there is a, so if people want to grow, it's just a, a matter of us showing them how to get out of that, out of the field, essentially get out of the field, get into the office, manage teams and, and focus on multiplier efforts, not add on efforts. Mm-hmm. Everything we want to do it has to have a multiple effect. So tell me the story of how you got out of the field. I know that you were in the trenches. I saw a picture you posted recently where you're, you know, happier than a pig in shit because you're digging shit in a ditch, which yep. is cool, right? And like, there's definitely, there's no shame in manual labor and hard work, right? That's how we got to where we are. Not at all. And there's something very gratifying about working with your hands. I still enjoy it, but there is a cap on that. Mm-hmm. You can't become a successful business owner, CEO, if you don't learn these things. Mm-hmm. So I've been out of the field probably six, seven years now. I've, I've been kind of administrative and in the office. And thankfully, I'm surrounded by great people. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people that are working for me kind of came up through the ranks. I have, you know, a small company, five, six in-house guys, some admin, and then 35 traveling subs. Mm-hmm. And these subs were all at a point working for me directly. Mm-hmm. They've gone on to start their business. I've signed up for them, helped them get their license, helped them get their shirts, their branding. And now they're, they're, they're proud as hell. Like they have a business. So for me, it's a source of pride. I have this loyal fan base that I get priority for on any project. And, and essentially our family is like 40, 50 strong without them all being under our umbrella. That's amazing. So was there like a moment that it switched for you and kind of like walk me through your progression? Like I used to be digging ditches. Now I'm in the office. What was the gap between that? Tell me the story. So, you know, being around building as my dad was a GC being around that, I was always in the kind of around the trades and my folks moved from the Bay area to Colorado in 2000. And I was just a, a year out of high school. I had the opportunity to go play college soccer, but I didn't because I was making good money uh, as a glazer, you know, and uh, I got that money bug and I was like, I don't need college. What am I going to go four years for a $60,000 job? Once I get out, you know, I was making that doing windows. It was like crazy. So that, that hunger for making money started early on. And my dad, you know, bless his heart, like, let me have, you know, let me be creative. He, he gave me that latitude. So while I was in high school, I was flipping cars and I had buddies around me. I always ran with an older crowd. I was like the young kid and everybody was like five, six years older than me, but they loved my energy. So I had some like good teachers and mentors and people that loved me and, and invested into me. So, you know, back in the days, you know, the salvage auction thing was a thing, right? Like mm-hmm. taking cars that smashed, you rehab them, sell them for Boku bucks. Carfax wasn't a thing, right? you know? I was just making good money and my, my parents' backyard looked like a junkyard. I had four or five cars at any given time in various states of disrepair. And, but my dad allowed me to do that. If you would have been a stickler, like, Hey, you're ruining my house, whatever. I never would have had that, you know, kind of just leeway to be, to develop that entrepreneurial skill. So, you know, that translated to, to becoming a glazer. And I got, I got married a couple of years after they left and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something more. So I hooked up with a, a company in the Bay Area that d- did higher end windows. And you know, I was 23 years old. I was the youngest guy in the company, but I was a hustler. So I proved myself to where you know the upper management, the owners, they're like, all right, this this kid's legit. He he's he's a hustler. He's a hard worker. And I was doing good work. And then you know I asked them for a little bit of latitude. Can I bring on more crews? They're like, yeah. So I was running my own little business within their business. I had three crews under me. And at, at 23 years old, I was making 30, 40 grand a, a month doing windows, man. And it's crazy, right? It's a lot of money. Even for today, it's a lot of money. And yeah. I'm pretty proud of that. But 
I didn't know anything about anything, just hard work. Uh, I'd be up at, you know, 4 a.m., drive two hours to get to where the warehouse is, and then be be back by like 6, 7. And, you know, we had little babies. My, my daughter and my son, they're a year and a day apart. So my wife, bless her heart, you know, for like four or five years, she was just basically like a single mom. I'd just come, wow. come home, beat, beat the shit, and try to be as good of a dad as I could in that context. Mm-hmm. But it was tough, man. If I could take those formative years back, I would do anything to do it. But it's a process. That helped me get to where I am today. I'll probably in the future look back on today and wish I did things differently today. So it's a process. You know, as you get older, you become more cognizant of where you are. Mm-hmm. So you can adjust. But so yeah, man, I was doing that for four or five years. And then 2008 rolled around mm. and everything went belly up. And this company BK'd. Wow. And, you know, being a car guy, I was like, all right, what do I do next? So I, I start. I opened my own dealership. So we were doing exotic cars and at the totally wrong time. European <laughs> <laughs> cars and exotic cars. I was doing some wholesaling to some other exotic dealers. And that worked well for a couple of years. And then I remember clear as day, like February 2009, hmm. uh, like the phone just stopped ringing. Yeah. I was literally like checking the cord. Like, yeah. <laughs> is this still plugged in? Yeah. And this, this, this is crazy. So, you know, I got a couple hundred grand in inventory sitting there. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was just mm-hmm. like, God, please help me get out of this mess. It was just mm-hmm. like no work, no nothing. So I was able to get, you know, liquidate the cars. And then I went back to construction. That was my, that was my default. Mm-hmm. I went back to construction and during that that time, those those years doing glazing, you know, I had the opportunity to be in some really affluent neighborhoods, affluent homes, and got to meet a lot of great people. And one by one, they would ask me, well, do you do anything else? And slowly, I built a book of business and we started doing remodeling. And I mm. transitioned from a C-17 glazing contractor to a GC. Okay. And, you know, the rest is history. It was, it was tough. It was definitely tough to you know, that time to build anything, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I incorporated my uh, current company, Home Intelligent, in February of 2008, like, it was the worst time to do any kind of construction or anything. But slowly and surely, one client by one, we built a book of business, we developed relationships with architects, we proved our worth and our, our competency level. And it's just brought us to where we are today. Yeah. Now, during that time, you were still in the field swinging the hammer and doing all the stuff too, right? Yeah, 100%. I, again, that, that was probably up until like 2015, 2016. I was swinging a hammer. I was I was out there. I had a team, but I was active. I was with them in the trenches mm-hmm. making it happen. I had to make it happen. I had to pick up the slack. Yeah. Yeah. You had to make sure that everything got done. Hey guys, just wanted to take a second here and thank you for listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It means the world to me. It means so much to me that you guys are listening. I don't make any money off of this stuff. I do it for free. I do it out of the goodness of my heart. I want to help people and I want to share all this cool information with you guys and everybody else in the world. So if you could think of somebody that you would share this to, so if they got some value out of it, I would really appreciate it. Share it on your socials. Click that little button for sharing and share it to your story. Thanks a lot. So how did your your mindset shift? Did you have like a pivotal moment where you're just like, I got to get out of the field and I got to start working on the business instead of into business? Did you have something that happened? Yeah, I was experiencing burnout, uh, if I'm honest. You know, I had, I think 2015, I had, you know, three additions going on at the same time in the field, swinging hammers, trying to run between jobs and and play project manager as well. Mm-hmm. And this one job, which now looking back at it, it was not that complex, but it felt like everything was going wrong. And the thing that capped it was like the concrete sub I was using at the time. It was like, you know, the, the add-on was way in the back. So they had to run a, a pump and a hose up the neighbor's driveway all the way to the back and the hose connection burst okay so the neighbor's driveway is just full of concrete it's washing into the street oh it's, my god it's a disaster so <laughs> on top of like feeling burnout that was i remember that that was like this is it i'm like yeah. either, either out of construction and I, I flirted with it i was like exploring solar at the time mm. uh, either i'm done with it or something's got to got to give so it wasn't it wasn't an instantaneous mm-hmm. switch 
uh, it maybe took about a year to, to go through that pain of like removing myself. Mm -hmm. But that, that's what did it for me, man. Just wow. burnout. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So at that point, you're burnt out. You got concrete all over somebody else's driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize you got to get out of the field so that way you can start preventing those mistakes from happening. That's right. Yeah. So then what's your next move after that? What do you do? You know, it kind of happened organically. I, I, I'd love to say that there's some kind of intent behind it. And I was like, that's it. Systems and marketing and sales. <laughs> it just kind of happened organically. I, I audited how things were running, you know, like, like we spoke about this morning, like what's working, what's not working. I audited that. I audited my subs. Mm. I audited the people that were working for me and just made some radical changes. Like, mm. you know, when you're, when you're fighting for every dollar and you're the guy swinging the hammer, you work with maybe not the best subs. And mm -hmm. I just wiped the table clean, got all new subs, started paying top dollar. Wow. Uh, quality of the work started improving. Mm -hmm. And I, I was able to delegate more because mm -hmm. I had better people. I surrounded myself with better subs better employees. And it, that allowed me the, the freedom to kind of step back a little bit because I got competent people around me. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So you just started making changes little by little and started realizing really what I heard through all that is you started really focusing on more quality. 100% quality and, and relying on external experience, if you will, mm -hmm. because for me to bring all that experience in the house was untenable, mm -hmm. right? So I started to rely on really proficient subs in their various trades, and they would run that aspect of the job start to finish without mm -hmm. any input from, from me or anybody else, you know, just some high level input, but just relying on somebody else's experience is, is that multiplier effect that we discussed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not an add on. And, and that freed up so much time for me to focus mm -hmm. on business development. Mm -hmm. So if we're tying this all back to the group that you've started with Charlie, your story basically coming from digging the ditches and swinging the hammer every single day in the field to where you are today, right? admin role, doing sales and things like that, client forward relations, but you have the full team behind you that's running, quote unquote, running the company. They're doing the day-to-day -day operations. It took you what it sounds like, what, five, six years to get to that point. It did. And one thing I want to stress and that we're going to stress in our masterminds and in our group is that, you know, we're talking to people that are where we were. Hmm. I by no means have arrived anywhere. I'm still working <laughs> at it. It's still very much a work in process. It's still very much in development. We're still dealing with problems. We're still dealing with the minutiae of running a business. So this is not a top down, like, you know, approach. It's like horizontally, the group is meant to be horizontal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But what you can do is accelerate somebody's timeline yes. for all the stuff that you've done. That's taken you five or six years. If you can teach others and show them, literally show them the roadmap that you have traveled, they're going to be able to accelerate that time. And, and I mean, compress time is what, the purpose is right. percent. You know, the, the idea is that you would avoid the mistakes that I made. You would avoid the mistakes that Charlie made. And that's what we're going to talk on. And if I knew what I know now, five years ago, wow, where would I be today? So yeah. not only the, avoiding the pitfalls, but also implementing the stuff that's readily available today that will wildly change your business. Yeah. So, so I'm going to ask you something a little contrarian, right? Three years ago, hell, not even three years ago, two years ago, did you ever think that you were going to start your own mastermind group? No, not in a million years. Well, I'll take that back. <laughs> two years ago, I, I started flirting with this idea. Okay. I saw a need because I was in that need mm. and it, it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I said, man, if there was a community of, of, of builders that can share notes and, and you know, have a variety of success levels and we can we can extract from the guys that are crushing it mm -hmm. and, and just kind of have a community that's when i started flirting with this idea mm -hmm. i started working on it but you know looking back i wasn't ready for it so meeting the right people putting myself in the right room with somebody that's vibing on the same frequency same pain points same goals that's what turned this into reality and the need is greater than ever
I mean, it's, you know, blue collar, man. It's so many people. I, I look at my subs, you know, 35, 40 guys. They're just nose down, mm-hmm. nose down all the time. And that's unsustainable. Yeah. You, you can't, your body's going to be broken. You're going to be frustrated. That That is not a, a tenable, like, life plan. Yeah. And, and we're not, like, offering the keys to the kingdom or, like, we don't have some magic snake oil. It's all it is is, you know, next step what's the next step for your business mm-hmm. there is a next step mm-hmm. you could do the same thing that you're doing now for 20 years it won't be 20 years experience it'll be 20 years of doing the same thing you're doing now yeah it's so, one year of experience that's right so extrapolate it over 20 that's it yeah. so if we just get get them to that next step mm-hmm. once you take that first step the second and third it gets easier. yeah well listen let's give the people some nuggets here okay so Tell me a couple things that you're doing right now in your business that helps you expand that if you were in, right, the old you would never have done. Yeah. Number one is relationships. How do you develop relationships? There's like organic relationships about, you know, we talk about this a lot. You're the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm -hmm. Those people are knuckleheads. You're Mm -hmm. the fifth knucklehead. So Mm -hmm. what that leads to is getting yourself into the right rooms. And that's how you and I connected. That's how we connected with this great network that we're part of now mm-hmm. is by getting into rooms with people that are achieving at a higher level than you are, mm-hmm. which really puts the onus on you to step up your game. It does. Right. So, and, and there's an accountability factor there. People see you and they expect you to be doing better. So that, that was a, a big move for me is just getting into the right rooms. If you don't have a seat at the table, create one, buy mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm have a seat at the table and and that's that's the the biggest i think needle mover that that i've I've implemented that's that's changed my outlook that's you know helped with like limiting beliefs that we all we all have right like oh that's crazy why Mm -hmm. would i start a mastermind i'm still i'm still working you know it's crazy why why not (laughs) right but if you don't have somebody to pour into you or to say yeah go, go do it and, and you're surrounded by naysayers, mm-hmm. you're never going to step out of that. Yeah. Well, let's go on a tangent there for a second. How long have you been involved in like paid mastermind groups? Four years. I okay. started in 2019. I was in a very popular mastermind for a year. I went to one event and then COVID happened hmm. and I let my foot off the gas. Hmm. And for about a year, year and a half, I didn't do anything. You know, I was still like kind of dabbling and, 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 self-development and things like that. But it it really clicked when I jumped on a jet with Mark, right? I made this investment, which at the time was large. And to get on a, on a private jet with one of my now mentors and really remove myself from my limited belief environment into an environment that was might as well have been the moon for me at the time. Right. And getting into that environment shifted so many things inside of me in my in my mind that I knew were there. I just didn't have a path to unlock them. Hmm. So getting around the right people helped me unlock some of those things. I'm still unlocking. I'm still getting the combo wrong on a lot of them. But but I'm I'm on, I'm trying to unlock a, a new lock every day. And by being in, in those environments, you know, you're one relationship away from changing the rest of your life. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And now I can attest to it because I was there. You chartered your own jet. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So full circle, right? A year and a half ago, I spent, you know, a couple of bucks to get on a jet and just be removed from what seemed like normal life to this like fantasy land. Yeah. And a year and a half later, because that unlocked something, I was able to muster up the courage to do it yeah right i mean seriously to have to have the gall to be like yeah i'm it's not a risk anymore right this is this is what we can do to better our future and the conversations that we had on that jet are conversations we probably would not have had on the ground well no doubt and the setting because of the setting they're like imprinted on your memory yes absolutely you will always think back to the color of that seat yep where each person was sitting, yep. you know, what, what, what their facial expression was like, that's so huge. Yeah. The massive amount of almonds we ate on that plane is ridiculous. 
<laughs> and the pairing that went with the almonds. Yeah. You did it not so much, but <laughs> yeah. It's awesome, man. You know, and so like think about yourself, let's say four years ago before paid mastermind groups. Now you've done a a jet trip with a now mentor of ours and and I think lifelong contacts and friends that you met on that jet. You recently chartered a jet that I was on and we're lifelong contacts and friends and we've made other connections on that jet as well. And, you know, you're quote unquote, a blue collar guy. And I think that it's very important that a lot of blue collar guys need to realize that they don't have to be stuck in that grind and, you know, humping the ladder onto the job site and hooking up their skill saw and making sure that they cut the whatevers all day long. There's yeah. another way. There There's is a, another way. Absolutely is. And this is not to detract from blue collar. It's to show and highlight what blue collar can do. Absolutely. Do it right. I don't have a problem jumping on the ladder right now and cutting some rafters. Same here. I'm not going to go do it, but I don't have a problem doing it. <laughs> That's what helped me get to where I'm at. And I'm still very much on the path. It's going to help me get to where I'm going, you know, mixed in with all the other stuff we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's, it's something to be proud of, you know, and, and infrastructure and building it's, it's a really respectable business to be in and industry to be in. So it's, it's just to maximize and optimize the industry that you're in, optimize mm-hmm. yourself so you can be the best you can be in that industry. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about, one of the ways that you're doing expansion in your business, and it has to do with relationships, right? That's that's huge. Relationships are everything, right? When I was a kid, I always heard this saying that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And when I was a kid, though, that had a negative connotation to it because of the money mentality that was you know, bestowed upon me from my Eastern European heritage that it's not about what you know, it's who you know. And so we're never going to make it because we don't know those people. Well, guess what? Now we build those relationships and now we're changing the course of history forever. 100%. And, you know, in the context you're describing it, it was like, you know, from a bribery standpoint, like I got to know that guy. Yes. Right. It's like a a way to circumvent something. Yeah. We talk about relationships now. It's again, horizontal. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you know? Who are your peers that can help elevate you? Right. Mm -hmm. We say a lot. A rising tide rises all ships. Yep. And that's, that's the mentality in these groups. Like if you're winning, I'm winning. If I'm winning, he's winning. If we're all winning. Yes. We're winning. <laughs> and I, I love seeing that, man. I love seeing other people win. And I feel like, I feel like I, the way I used to think was like, oh, I got to go get mine. Right. And I'll try and help out along the way. But, but really that wasn't like a focal point for me. And so now I'm like, dude, how can I pour into you? How can I help you? ultimately get what you want because first of all that's going to make me feel good that i help somebody and then second of all it's going to elevate right and i'm not talking just for me but for everyone like it's going to elevate like oh that guy helps people or that guy connects people or that guy for lack of better terms is not selfish mm. yeah 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 I, I do believe in that you know on a, on a philosophical level on a spiritual level givers gain it's like yeah. BNI's motto, givers gain, right? Yeah. But that's a- hold on. Speaking of that, really quick, you told me a story just before we got on camera. You went to a BNI meeting this morning, and I love the story that you tell. So, can you please share that? Because it's like, it's a really cool way that we're like helping by pushing, but also elevating by teaching. Mm. Yeah. So, I was at BNI this morning. We have a, a weekly meeting, Friday mornings, 7 30 to 9, where businesses get to network. And I was sitting next to the president of our chapter, who's a prominent will and trust attorney. And the presenter did this exercise on goal setting. And the the exercise was, where do you want to be in 10 years? And look to your left and connect with that person. So I was sitting to the left of the attorney. He turns to me, say, hey, Sylvia, where where do you want to be? I'm like, all right, well, I want to do this, this, and this. How about you? He says, well, I want to make... 3 million a, a year when I'm retired. It's like, that's it? He's like, yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. So 3 million a year. I mean, in 10 years from now, that might be 1 mil equivalent, right? I said, what are you, what are you doing for business? So we got to talking about automations and, you know, AI chatbots and a variety of different things. Ding. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
see my man Steven. Yeah. Uh, so so then I, I asked him, I said, are you are you teaching on this? Do you do any kind of seminars? He said, well, you know, I, I do one once a year for this large company and I speak to their employees. But other than that, no, not really. I said, well, if you did one once a quarter, a quarter, wouldn't that really drive business for you? He said, yeah, it would. It really would. I said, okay, cool. And then our time was up. The presenter is asking the room, like, anybody want to share? Nobody wanted to share. So I just blurted out. I said, who in this room would like to go to Mark's seminar? Everybody's like, oh, I'd go. I'd go. I want to learn. And the presenter says, Mark, you're having a seminar? He said, he, looks <laughs> and he said, I guess I am. And, 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 and then she says, by when are you going to book the seminar? Because you have to have a finite date to, to implement action. Mm-hmm. So he said, by end of January, I guess I'm having a seminar. So I was like, <laughs> just happened, and it was just like, it was crazy. So that, that was pretty awesome. You know, it was like amazing. Awesome, awesome exercise. And yeah. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be in the front seat of that seminar. Yeah, just support and see how right. Can. right. So supporting him, right? That's a huge thing, right? You supported him. You also kind of pulled him out of his comfort zone a tiny bit because he didn't want to raise his hand and talk about. Oh, I think I'm gonna have a seminar now, Silvio. You just freaking threw me in front of the crowd. Yep. But you did it also because you knew that he could handle it. You yeah. knew that it was possible. He already does seminars for these. You told me the name of the company, a very, very large company. He does these seminars for already. So doing it in front of a hundred person audience that's, you know, BNI related, I don't think would be a problem for him at all. And so, so yeah, you didn't do anything to, that, that was going to hurt him. You did it from the goodness of your heart. And you're like, Hey, it was just like a little nudge, right? It's that little tap on the shoulder. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to help him out. And of course, like you said, you're going to be in the, in the front row of that, which is going to be awesome too. Cause like during that seminar you know he's going to be looking down at you and at one moment he's going to think man silvio put me up to this yeah yeah exactly and that's the relationship p piece right tying it back to that relationship that we're helping each other all grow at the same time and i think that story is freaking amazing man i i absolutely love it so but what's going to happen is when you go to your next bni meeting nobody's going to want to sit next to you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a unique exercise. It's usually not that interactive, so I just I captured the moment, and I'm glad I did. You know, I, I did it in a, in a kind of a jovial way, but I think it really landed with a lot of people, and particularly with him. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, well, and so what you've done there too is you've given that guy an actionable item that's going to expand his business, yeah. and I think with. Blue collar unchained. Have you ever, have you said the word yet? Have you said the actual title yet during this conversation? I have not. Blue All right. Well then let me back up the tape here. Silvio, what's your group called? Blue collar unchained. Unchain yourself from your daily menial tasks. I love it. I love it. And you're going to be giving people these actionable items, right? These things that they can do real world tactical information that they can implement yep. tomorrow or today. If you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's not, you know, fairy dust it's tangible it's actionable and blue collar guys man they don't mince words yeah as we know right they, they yeah. need hard something to grasp yeah so that's that's our goal is to give them something that they could grasp take home mm-hmm. check back in next week did you do it how'd yeah. you do it what are the results yeah i know that something you recently started doing was like built well not just recently but ramping up is automations in your business and I think that when we talk about blue collar and automations, like those were those worlds just don't really like cross paths in some people's minds. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and what you think you can do with automations, technology in blue collar. Well, I'll start with the most exciting thing is that what you're helping me with is is the chat bot. And, you know, shameless um, plug on my part over here. Yeah, my sales bot IO. <laughs> Now that's, that's people hear the whole term AI, but they don't really know what it means. And it's surprising how many people still don't know about chat GPT. Mm, yeah. But, you know, this, this conversational AI, it could be plugged in into literally any business and, you know, it could remove the person that would otherwise be taking the calls, mm-hmm. paid position, mm-hmm. have on standby to, to do intake. Mm-hmm. And now you have this AI that's doing intake. It's prompting your would-be client or prospective client 
to get them on a call to, mm-hmm. to, so that you can convert it. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So that's one of the things we're playing with and really excited to deploy it. Yeah. And so as far as like blue collar businesses looking to put automation, right? So we you have email, right? You send out emails to your clients. Yep. How many, how many blue collar guys like an electrician that has a crew of three, how many of those guys you think is sending emails on a regular basis, marketing emails to their clients? Probably none. Probably none. And or maybe like 5%. Right. But I think what that demonstrates is that business and in particular blue collar is very passive. Like mm-hmm. these people are not intentionally trying to acquire business. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's busy just because they're getting work and the phone's ringing. Yeah. Nobody's actually intentional with acquiring business. Mm-hmm. That's all good and done for the past, you know, five, seven years while we've had this booming economy. Yeah. But as things start to shift and contract, if you're not intentional now, you're going to be caught with your pants down. Yeah. So you have to be intentional in everything that you do. You have to have a clear desired outcome and then you move in that direction. And I think automations is just, it's simplified so many different things and it's it's hard to grasp all the different things that you can implement automation with from email to intake to, you know, follow up and nurture your nurture campaigns. Mm-hmm. There's a variety of things you can do. So I'm assuming that that's going to be part of like your part of your group and like your coursework or your talk that you're going to give is how to implement automations, like a CRM system, right? A customer relationship management system. A lot of guys, like, I mean, I know this from firsthand experience. We went years without a CRM in our construction company years. And and I, we're not out of the ordinary. I know a lot of guys do not use a CRM by any means. What say it's the majority. And the the further down the scale you go from a revenue standpoint the higher that percentage goes yeah especially if you're out there swinging a hammer yeah swinging a hammer and a crm they're not in the same sentence you know <laughs> right <laughs> but but it can be yeah. it can be as you transition so that's what we want to show like show possibilities of what you can do mm-hmm. with what you already have it's just the next step maybe yeah. the next step is a crm maybe after that you have a marketing campaign after mm-hmm. that's next thing so just next steps that's all there's no promise of winning the lottery or or doubling your business but if you take that next step steps two and three and the ones to follow are gonna be a lot easier yeah absolutely so before we wrap up i wanted to talk a little bit more about ai because it's such a hot topic these days and i wanted to get your thoughts on what ai has done let's say in the last year and then what it's going to do in the next few years for the face of the planet, but also for the face of business, blue collar, especially. You know, it's exciting. I'm really excited by the prospect of AI. It's really exciting to see how far it's come in such a short period of time. I think what we're going to see more of is different integrations. But with, that, with all that being said, AI can never replace the trades. Mm-hmm. You know, you need physical labor to go change your faucet, to go change your windows, to go put your roof on. AI can't help you with that, but it can help with systematizing those processes on the back end so that they're smooth. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say about AI is I think as time goes on, maybe with even within the next year, there's going to be an oversaturation of AI where going back to the basics is going to feel like a breath of fresh air. Mm. And and the fundamentals of a handwritten note, Mm -hmm. the fundamentals of a phone call. Mm -hmm. Those are going to become really unique in the mm. coming years as AI kind of just gains more momentum. Yeah, I, I agree with you because as we get deeper into the quote unquote digital age, more and more feels disconnected. That's exactly right. It's it's removing the human element and, and that's how people buy. Yeah. They buy on the human element. So there's a, there's a place for it, but it's and not or. Yeah. Right? So definitely the the human element is really something I'm going to be doubling down in the coming coming year. Yeah. And speaking of doubling down, I'm going to go back to marketing and, you know, actually being proactive about your business. We can't stress this enough to anybody here who's listening, who has a business right now is the time to work, 
right now is the time that you got to double down on your marketing and you have to double down on those relationships, not only with your clients, but also with your vendors and your employees as well. Because like you said, you're going to be left with your pants down. And I think that, you know, middle of next year is going to be a turning point for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And the thing to, to, that's important to, to say on that is that marketing and what you just described is like a diesel engine. It mm. needs to be warmed up. Mm. It's not the flip of a switch. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hey, I just spent three grand on Google ads. I'm sitting by the phone waiting for them to ring. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. You, you have to build momentum. So if you start today, you might start reaping some benefits Q1. Mm-hmm. But it, you have to stay consistent. You have to feed the beast. Mm-hmm. And your future self will thank you. But it's, it's, it's a long play. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, it's hard not it's hard to to do that when you want instant gratification. Like I spent the money on ads, I want the return now. Yeah. That's yeah. what's really difficult about it is playing that longer game, the delayed gratification, but knowing that you're digging your well now before you need it. Absolutely. There's different, there's different things you can do that have, you know, different life cycles. Some will be quicker, some will be longer, but it again, it's not a should I do this or this? And you do this and all of that and yeah. all of it. You got to do all of it because some, some avenues are going to dry up. Some are going to be more successful than others and combined you're, you're hedging against the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm excited to see everything that you're going to be doing in the next year, man. I'm really, really excited to, and to be part of that journey too, you know, to be, to be along alongside you watching and, and for the ride. And I know that you're going to change a lot of lives. You and Charlie are uh, are amazing dudes, and I'm glad to call you friends. So with all that being said, Silvio, where can people find you, your construction company especially, right? Because we know that you guys do amazing work in the Bay Area. And then also talk to us about where they can find Blue Collar Unchained. So we're on IG, Home Intelligent Inc. on, on IG. Silvio Dobrova is my personal handle. And then Blue Collar Unchained also on IG. We're on Facebook and everywhere else, but look me up anywhere out of those three handles and we can connect. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. We really appreciate your time today. And thank you for listening to the end. Just as a reminder, we do this for free. We do this out of the goodness of our own heart. We want to help people. So if this has helped you in any way, if Silvio has given you any actionable nuggets today and you feel like this could help somebody else, go ahead and share this with them. Just hit that share button wherever you're listening and just share it to your your socials, your story, wherever. It would mean the world to me. And I know that somebody else would get help out of it. And so we continue that cycle of helping people. Silvio, thanks a lot, man. And we'll talk soon. Hey guys, just wanted to take a second here and thank you for listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It means the world to me. It means so much to me that you guys are listening. I don't make any money off of this stuff. I do it for free. I do it out of the goodness of my heart. I want to help people and I want to share all this cool information with you guys and everybody else in the world. So if you could think of somebody that you would share this to, so if they got some value out of it, I would really appreciate it. Share it on your socials. Click that little button for sharing and share it to your story. Thanks a lot. Yeah.